well, you're an L3. You have superpowers. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 88. My name, once again, is CJ Schrader. And with me, as always, my two atypical co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Duggs. Hey, this is Jess. So proud of myself for that one. Next, we have Brian Prilliman. I prefer to think of myself as B-typical. <laughs> we have we have a lovely guest with us today. <laughs> Sorry, that, why am I laughing at that? That wasn't why is that was horrible. Why that is that wasn't funny? Good at all. But uh, we have a guest with us today. We have the uh, doctor of science himself. He has his own telescope. Aaron Lacluse. Uh, not just one. I have many telescopes of you actually. Do. And you have a spanning. Telescope. Spanning the globe. Also, I can't I can't follow up that B-typical joke. That was... <laughs> but you had I'm, an innuendo, so that's okay. I'm, I'm going to go with priceless, is what I guess I'll call it. The, the B-typical. It was just such a great... I'm not saying it was good or oh, bad. Okay. I'm just saying yeah, I wouldn't, that, that, I wouldn't put a price on it. That category is like my favorite type of joke. <laughs> really? No listener would get this yet. Can't... Like... Can I just say how refreshing it is to be on a podcast where I'm not the only judge and where talking about judgy things is not only encouraged but expected? Yes, you can say that. Oh, it's wonderful. It's so refreshing. You can, you can go on a judge rant and you don't have to worry about people turning their uh, uh, hitting the next button on the podcast. Right. That's true. So, oh, what's the A team saying now? <laughs> Smash more beer cans against your forehead. <laughs> All right, Doctor Side. So, introduce yourself. You know, just briefly, who you are, where you're from, uh, what card stores may need, may be near you that are great stores, and we should check them out. Okay. Well, so uh, I am Aaron Lockluze, also known as Clues, also known as Doctor Science. I'm a level two judge who is simultaneously from Michigan and North Carolina, which is tricky. But if you've got science on your side, you can pull it off. Uh, I play most weeks over at Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina, which is a great shop, and you should all check it out. Uh, I've also been hitting quite a few large events recently, so I know I'll see at least one of the JudgeCast crew coming up in uh, in Charlotte, which is going to be cool. I'm looking yes. at you, Ryan Perlman, and not yes. at you, CJ Schrader, because you're lame. Yep. Yep. Hey, let and me not ask at you, Jess Dunks, because you're on the other coast. So, since, well, you're not coming to you Phoenix. Ex- What's I am people? not coming. Sorry. Wow. Everybody Since hates me exist. just because I'm on the other coast. Yes. Since you exist simultaneously in two places, do you have the same spin in both places? Uh, well, it, it depends on exactly what experiment you're going to use to as- observe me and collapse my wave function. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. So our main topic this episode is types. <laughs> We're going to be going over everything above the text box and below the art on a card. So, so wait, we're not going to discuss types of subatomic particles? No. But we have Dr. Science on. Is so, that even what, what Dr. Science is a doctor of science of? Uh, not really, but what about what about flavors? We could talk about flavors. Because that, that applies to, to subatomic, well, sub-subatomic particles. You know, up, up, down. Yes. Like, are chart. super types of flavors, like, is ice cream a super type? Ooh. It's a, it's a super type, but not necessarily a super type. All right. <laughs> it's, it's super. So, oh, zing. Let's let's dive in, shall we? Uh, sure. All cards have a type, right? Like an At- actual type. Uh, types are things like artifact, creature. Actually, I'll just list them all. 
artifact creature enchantment instant land planeswalker sorcery and tribal and then there are some other types too that we will not be covering because they are stupid and that is phenomenon plane scheme and vanguard it's we're casual not, we're not doing i thought we were always scheming no not today uh this scheme is not ongoing um we yeah, you like that? It's actually one of the few casual variants I really like playing. I, I've actually never played it. Arch Enemy is great, but only if I'm the Arch Enemy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, why does that not surprise yeah, that, me? That I was going to say, that theory. actually describes Arch Enemy quite adequately, frankly. Arch Enemy is great if you're the Arch Enemy. Yes, pretty much. Otherwise, it's just cheap, because all of those scheme cards are totally going to screw over the players. Yep. However, you could also just go, meh. And that describes Arch Enemy quite, uh, quite nicely, <laughs> as well as also... Meh. All right, all cards have types. Some cards have a super type or a subtype as well. So there's a hierarchy to things. Super types at the top. Below so them. are you telling me types? There are types of types. Yes, there are types of types, and below them are subtypes. So something like a Howling Mind is just an artifact. It has no super types. It has no subtypes. Um, something like Snow Covered Plains is a snow basic land plains. <laughs> wow. So it has. <laughs> Two super types there, snow and basic. It has the land type, and it has uh, the subtype of plane. So it has it. It runs the whole gambit. Gam- gambit. Yes. Wait, yes. Did, did you say? Did you say gambit? No, like the that's X-Men? not right. That's runs the or fiery gambit, like the card. Well, it could that's be. A, it could be a, gambit. Gambit. Could Thank you. Gambit, which I think is also a bird. Now that I think <laughs> of it. What about Gamera, the uh, villain? Well, that's more of a turtle, really. Gamera. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so on this episode, so types is such a big topic that I think it's enough for two episodes. So on this episode, we're only going to focus on the actual literal types and the super types. Uh, next episode, we will discuss subtypes, figurative types, figurative types, and also what happens when you start changing types on a card. Uh, spoiler alert, it gets wacky with basic land types. Yes. Uh, yep. The super types, by the way, I said two of them, uh, but all four of them are basic legendary snow world. And then there's also another super type we're not going to talk about called ongoing, which has to do with schemes. And it is also stupid. So wait, does that mean we are going to talk about world? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, when was the last time we had a world super type? When was the last time you had snow? Okay, ice, whatever. But the cold snap. Yeah. Cold snap. Like yeah. one of these things is actually still relevant. Yeah, world. Yeah. It, yeah, there's in legacy. Yeah, there's, there's still... a few. There's a few legacy world cards, but we'll get to them. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever actually laid eyes on a card with the world super type, and I work in a place that has cards as its thing. I'm going to gatherer and finding all of the uh, world <laughs> ones. So where super types are actually type agnostic, which by that I mean that. Um, strictly speaking, although, you know, we associate basic with land, basic doesn't have to be with land. I'm, uh, I'm actually jumping ahead here a little bit, but that's okay. Um, just the same way legendary can be legendary land, legendary creature, it can be anything. Um, so super types are not strictly uh, related to types. However, every type is directly related to a subtype. So uh, there are creature subtypes and there are uh, instant sorcery subtypes, but... That's that stuff we'll get deeper into next episode. Right. So so legendary or the super types don't necessarily have to have a specific subtype. Uh, sorry, type tied to them, but subtypes have to have are tied to a specific type. Yes, that's probably a better way of saying. It. All right. All right. So let's uh let's start off. Who would like to talk about which types are permanent types and which types are not? Ooh. Yeah, I'll do it. Okay. Good. All right. 
So permanents are uh, things that when you cast them, uh, they stay on the battlefield as permanents. They stick around, hence the name permanent. Um, They are artifacts, creatures, enchantments, and land. Oh, and planeswalkers. Forgot about those newfangled planeswalkers. (laughs) Okay. So, do we want to talk about one of them uh, first? Well, I think you left one out, though. Oh, did I? Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, hey, what about Boggart shenanigans? What about Boggart shenanigans? Well, I believe you'll find that it is a tribal Oh, tribal. Isn't it also an enchantment? It yeah, is also an enchantment, but he did leave out the tribal. Tribal, tribal does sometimes apply yes. to permanent. Tribal is a permanent type the same way Y is a vowel. So, sometimes. Sometimes. Or maybe sometimes, why? Because tribal is awesome. And then instants and sorceries are never permanent, and uh, they can never enter the battlefield. Yes. Although players sometimes leave them on the battlefield when they should have resolved. Seriously, put them in the graveyard. Yeah. And you can can try sometimes with, like, uh, what is it? It's like the card that makes splinter tokens, and then the card that's named splinter. Instant, yeah, that's named splinter. Yeah, I think there's a way to do that with illusion. Yeah, it doesn't really work because there's a rule that says like, hey, if it would enter the battlefield, no. <laughs> yes, Isn't that's that a actually what the CR the is, CR, is it a stip- no, it's it's. Oh, first off, does it prevent it from going into the battlefield? It's in the notes for instant and sorcery when we get to those. Mm. Oh, first off. <laughs> But secondly, okay. it's an actual rule that says, no, you are not entering the battlefield. You stay right where you are. That's actually the way it says it's dot, dot, dot. No. <laughs> right. um, the only other thing about permanent types and sorceries is they can only be cast on your turn in your main phase when the stack is empty. Now, lands are played, and we will talk a little bit more about them when we get to them. But for all the other ones, you know, assuming. Aren't you, yeah, I was going to say, aren't you leaving out flash? Assuming no then... flash. Okay, all right. Or, uh, anything like that. Um, no shenanigans, or spoggered or otherwise. Cast, or so, spells so, that let you cast things during the resolution of other spells. We're talking normal timing. Yeah, normal timing. So what you're saying is that weird things can happen, so the rules for permanence aren't permanent. <laughs> Have you been writing these down? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm I, just you're, going. Your you're drive home, you're just like, oh, I got another one. Yes. <laughs> Um, I'm going to do the first one. Artifacts. An artifact on its own has no meaning. It has no special rules. It has nothing at all. Um, it's just permanent. An artifact is probably the simplest form of permanent type because it means nothing. Um, the only thing to mention about artifacts is artifacts are not naturally colorless. Uh, an object's color comes from its mana symbols. And although most artifacts have no colored mana symbols, that is not a property of artifacts. That is a property of... That's just how they've been printed, but it's not like a rule with artifacts that they are default colorless or anything like that. Yeah, they are commonly colorless, but not not always. As New Phyrexia and uh, Alara and uh, is it the that that future site uh, yeah, that... mirror? Yeah, Sacro something or other. Uh, yeah, they can be colored if they have uh, colored mana and symbols in their cost. So I guess before we continue, I should mention like some of this is going to be pretty basic. To listeners, <laughs> that was a tight joke. <laughs> Didn't mean to. Um, but I promise there's still going to be little little tidbits of wisdom yeah. throughout here. We hope the entertainment value will be legendary. Yes. Uh, applauded the world over. Okay. All right. Someone, someone grab creatures. So creatures. Creatures are awesome. They creatures are. are another permanent type that they they unlike artifacts they do have some rules that are always going to be true about creatures creatures have a power and toughness and they're able to attack and block unless they have abilities that say they can't attack and block (laughs) 
That's true. Some of them have abilities that say they can attack or block more than one creature or more than more than once, even. Um they can have damage marked on them. They can die due to that damage and are affected by summoning sickness. Now, actually, that's so they're not really the only permanent that can have damage marked on them, but they're the only ones that can die from that damage. Yeah, yeah. When I when I was writing that out, I wanted to be clear because that, that is absolutely true. If you have something that's a creature and it becomes a land and loses its creature type and it becomes a creature again, it still has that damage on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's a way to do like three damage to target land or anything like that. Like, I don't think there's a way to, to do damage to something without it already being a creature. Um, no, but I'm not sure there are any rules that prevent it either. I don't think there are either. I just don't think there are any cards that do it. Yeah, so, yes. <laughs> okay, so creatures, they have, uh, they, they have the power and toughness. They say that some old creature cards, uh, instead of saying creature on them, say summon instead. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Uh, those, those are still, uh, those are still creatures. Um, so summoning sickness, just to, as, as that's kind of a colloquialism. Uh, what that means is a creature uh, that has an activated ability with the tap symbol or the untap symbol in its activation cost. Uh, you can't you can't activate it until the creature or that permanent. If we talk about type changing stuff, which we'll do next episode, but unless it has started a turn on your side, that doesn't mean a lot of times we get questions uh, where it's like, hey, I just stole this creature uh, uh, using this thing that didn't give it didn't give it haste, just like a control magic effect. I can attack with it, right? Because it's been out for more than a turn. No, it has to start the turn on your side to be able to uh, tap to attack or tap to use one of its uh, uh, activated abilities with the tap symbol in it. Yeah, this actually came up multiple times in uh, Cincinnati because domestication was uh, floating around. Mm -hmm. And domestication totally steals a creature, at least for a while, as long as the creature is small enough. But uh, it does not grant haste. It does not untap the thing. It just moves it over to your side. And uh, if, if we're done with creatures, hey, you know what domestication is, technically? What? Uh, a, a kind of thing. It is an enchantment. Yes, it is. Which is, in fact, our next uh, permanent type. So enchantments, uh, you know, a lot like artifacts, uh, enchantment has no intrinsic meaning uh, other than being enchanting. Uh, oh. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, someone had to. Uh, other than it just being a, a type of permanent. So it's a, it's a thing. It often It often does some stuff, which is probably good. Uh, otherwise you probably wouldn't be casting them, but, uh, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it can be stuck to a creature that, that may involve a subtype of enchantments, which I believe is a topic for next time. It is one, one thing, one thing of note, uh, with regard to, I'm going to, I'm going to touch briefly on subtype tangentially touch subtype. Okay. Auras, oh, sorry. Enchantments that are not auras don't have targets. Okay. Uh, however, auras, which is a subtype which we will be talking about next week, does require a target. So when we say you can just play an enchantment, boom, <clears throat> if it has a specific subtype, i.e. aura, then there may be some targeting restrictions. But if it's not an aura, you don't have that. So you can just play it whenever based on what the card, if the uh, whatever the card says, which it probably doesn't say have any of those timing restrictions. You know, and even to add on to that, none of these permanent types that we're talking about accept an enchantment aura target when you cast them. I believe that's correct. I don't think there's some weird creature that exists. Yeah. Yeah. 
So not, I think you're right. not a one of them actually targets when you cast them, except for an enchantment aura. There should be a weird creature that exists. I know there should be. Is that not true? Yeah. Um, you could get on that. We need we need a land. Uh, we need a land creature that targets on uh, uh, when you play it. That would be weird. Right. That would be very weird. Oh, yeah, hey, I mean, we actually uh, we neglected to mention something about creatures a minute ago that does touch on subtypes. But since we've already you know tangentially <laughs> this, touched subtypes anyway. Wall. Uh, You've broken the wall, Brian. We're done. It's, yeah, it's oh. too late. The, the bubble has been popped. Uh, Don't look at it, Miriam. Don't look at it. <laughs> uh, creatures uh, can also hold equipment, and that's not true of the other types. That's not tangential. Well, I'm just saying. That it's... is about equipment. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it is something that creatures can do that these other permanent types cannot. You don't often have enchantments holding a pokey stick. That's true. And, but you have walls holding a pokey stick. Explain that, Dr. Science. Well, okay, another, but another that's, subtype. that's another subtype for another day. <laughs> All right, let's talk about lands. Lands have a lot going on. They do. So, Unless you're playing Manalus Dredge, in which case, stop it. <laughs> no. Hey, some of the most hilarious games of Magic I have ever watched have been Manalus Dredge. I don't think you were actually watching Magic. I think you were watching one person playing Magic and someone else playing another thing that uses Magic cards. Yeah, they're just playing Solitaire. You know what I love about Manalus Dredge? When's the uh, last time okay. you saw a Manalus Dredge player in turns? <sighs> were they playing against... No, I got nothing. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Were they, wait, wait, wait. Were they playing against High Tide? That is, in fact, the last time I have seen a Mana Dredge player, and the only time I have seen a Mana Dredge player in turns. Because High Tide can go to spent like 20 minutes going on. anything. What does High Tide do again? Uh, it doesn't. Yeah. Pretty much. Right. Yeah, High Tide uh, carries around about $1,000 in just four cards and uh, goes to time in all your tournaments. All I, I wanted you your lands tap for double. Oh, lands. Okay, let's talk about lands for a second. See, there you go. Oh, sorry, I didn't know you were trying to segue back. I'm to always trying to segue back to. I told okay, you. Okay, he's actually I'll... gotten better at that. Yeah. Yes, it used to be they used to be like horribly uh, uh awkward and now they're they're yeah, mildly it used to be way off target, but recently he's been able to land them really well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so lands are weird because you do not cast a land. Um, you play lands, which is a different thing. Um, lands have no mana cost. They don't go through the steps of casting a spell. spell. And Spain. playing a land is a special action, which means that it does not use the stack and people cannot re uh, respond to it. So typically, when you can play a land is during on your turn, um, during your main phase when the stack is empty. So same as uh, all these other things. Um, playing a land is simply the act of taking it from your hand and putting it on the battlefield. It's there. Yep. The general. If you, had, if, if you had priority, you know, you had, you have priority to lay the land, you lay the land down, you got priority again. Yep. Nobody can stop it. Nobody can respond to it. Nothing. So, oh, in response to that land entering the battlefield, I'm going to do X. No. Nope. Sorry. Uh, in general, you can only play one land per turn. Obviously some spells or effects do uh, change this. Um, and let's, I think we should cover those rules again because they changed, uh, what was that, M14? Yes, that yes. sounds right. So say I play a land for the turn and I um, I cast something like Explore, um, which lets me play an additional land this turn. Okay. What we do then, what that effect does is it says, you know, you're like, oh, I want to play a land. How many lands can I play? The effects that you have going right now say, well, you can play two because you could play one naturally and you can play an additional one. Um, you've already played one, so the effect says, well, you can play another one, so you can play another one. 
Um, the reason I got that detailed about that is say it's something like Oracle of Moldiah that is letting you play that additional land. Um, the way the rules work there are, so say I have an Oracle of Moldiah out and uh, she's letting me play a land. So I play a land. Then uh, I do some stuff and my opponent ends up killing my Oracle of Moldiah. And I'm like, well, this is a real bummer. I would like to play a land still because I earlier in the turn I was able to play two lands. Nope. You can't do it because you look at all the effects right now that's saying, you know, saying how many lands you can play. And right now you only have the basic game rule saying you can play one land. You have played a land this turn. So uh, the Oracle of Moldiah has no effect on this case. You can't be like, oh, that other land drop was my Oracle land drop. Nothing like that. Or... Yeah, you know, you could think of it this way. The uh, This rule, it's like a bouncer. He's standing at the door and he's got a clipboard. And on the clipboard is a number. And that's the number of lands you can play this turn. And he looks into the club and he sees that his clipboard, it says one right now. And he looks into the club. There's already one land in the club. I'm sorry, you, you can't go in. And so but in if there's some other analogy, effect that changes lands it. Are guys. Lands, lands are guys, yes. There's too many guys in the club. You're not allowed but we'll let the women in because <laughs> that's what all these lands up in the club. All right. I actually really like that analogy. <laughs> yeah. So, so if I have, if I have an Oracle of Moldiah out, okay. So I have an Oracle of Moldiah out. I play my first land. I now play my additional land for Oracle of Moldiah. And then you kill my Oracle of Moldiah and I cast another Oracle of Moldiah. My total land count that I can play is now two. I have played two, therefore I cannot play another one. You can't use the, oh, well, it's a new Oracle of Moldiah, so it's an additional one on top of the additional one. That yeah, not, not as such. Nope. That used to be the case, but not anymore. That's right. Uh, and one other little, little, little tidbit, because I've seen this a few times, is if you have something like a Prophet of Krupix out, which as you play with your top card, your library revealed... And you can you can play a land if the top card of your library is a land. I'm sorry, you can play the top card of your library if it is a land. Um, that does not let you play additional lands. Like something has to specifically say, you know, you may play an additional land this turn. I've seen some people have an issue with that in the MTG rules chat room. Yeah, yeah and it also so doesn't let you think it works like Oracle of Moldiah. Yeah, I because yes. it's a lot like Oracle of Moldiah. Yes. Yeah, and it also doesn't let you play a land when you couldn't normally play a land. So it's it's not like, oh, because it's my opponent's turn and this, this says I can play a land. I can play this now, right? No. Right, right. See, you're still playing okay. the land, so it follows all the normal rules we already talked about. Uh, okay. Go ahead. I was going to say, while we're discussing this card, if you play a shock land off of it, you have to choose whether or not it comes into play tap before you look at the next card. <laughs> yes, that's important. So, so let me ask. Why, why the difference between now there's some, there's some cards that say like, Hey, if you do this right here, you can play a creature card, you know, from your hand. Well, nothing would say that. No. Oh yeah, they would actually, wouldn't they? <laughs> Jerk. Yeah. So, so here, here's the, here's the thing. So play is used exclusively on lands. Uh, cast is used pretty much exclusively on things that can involve non-lands okay but a lot of times some or sometimes they'll say you can play creature cards uh and what what that means is really play it if it's a land or cast it if it's a if it's a creature but it's, it's really this card called uh uh what's, dryad arbor dryad arbor which is a land creature yep. which you play it uh, uh, you don't cast it, and it is a creature. So there are a lot of cards that will say you can play 
a permanent spell or you can play a creature when in reality it's it, it would say cast if it wasn't for that pesky dryad arbor yep it's solely dryad arbor that's it um oh well it's caused a lot of confusion and, and curse you dryad arbor yes uh, a couple of little notes about lands. So if you have something that puts a land onto the battlefield, that does not count as your land drop. So rampant growth, you know, as you search your library for land and put it onto the battlefield, it has to actually say, you know, search your library for a land, put it into your hand, and then you may play that land, something like that. It has to use the word play in there. Um, also, you can never, ever play a land on your opponent's turn, even if something is letting you do so. So... Uh, Gin of Wishes can cause this. Like it has you look at the top card of your library and then you can play it without paying its mana cost. Um, you could do that on your opponent's turn, but even if you get a land and you haven't, you know, you haven't played a land on their turn yet, um, you still cannot do it. You can never do it. There's a rule that specifically says, nope. Even if you make it, the situation happen, it's not happening. But so, this is this is still about playing. So we can actually pull some shenanigans with Dryad Arbor and an Ether Vial, which is an artifact on uh, on zero. And you can Ether Vial in a Dryad Arbor on your opponent's turn because you're not playing a land. You're using you're Ether Vial's it. ability to put a creature that happens to also be a land onto the battlefield. Which is crazy, but you can do it. So more shenanigans with Dryad Arbor because everybody loves Dryad Arbor. Hey, you know a really cool creature to uh, to put into play with Ether Vial? What? I think it's called Goblin? Righteous Righteous Avengers. Uh, okay. Okay. I think. Do you know? Do you know? Sarah what, Avenger is. Do you know? Do you know what? Do you know what Righteous Avengers is? No. Uh, no. Uh, Righteous do Avengers is a three-one planeswalker. <laughs> oh, I use Zodiac Chicken for my planeswalker. <laughs> Zodiac Rooster, but that's my go-to planeswalker of choice. Is it really Zodiac Rooster? I think that's it. Uh, it's gotta be a portal, you hipster. <laughs> to choose from <laughs> one zodiac there's rooster like, there's like there's like three cards with planes walking okay. uh, so in case people are missing the joke here we are talking oh, about that is P -L so bad p-l-a-i-n-s walking as in the land walk um not planeswalkers as in the actual planeswalkers i'm pretty sure that that more than a flavor reason or anything else is the reason they don't have planes walk as a type that they use anymore Although, truthfully, that is one of the reasons, but the other reason is, how do you hide in a plane? It just doesn't make sense. I, I can see, like, giving cats planes walk. Yeah, I think that's one of the other ones. There's, like, an antelope. There's not many. Nah. I mean, they gave it to a Johnny, I guess. Like, a snake, maybe. <laughs> I, thought that was, yeah. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about planeswalkers. Someone else talk about planeswalkers. Do we have to? I know, planeswalkers oh. have the most rules. Yeah, planeswalkers are pretty sweet. Planeswalkers... Like they they have this thing called loyalty. Actually, we were talking about this before the show. They have this thing called loyalty. It's is characteristic, and it's the number on the bottom right of the planeswalker card, as you probably know. And when you play it, uh, it enters the battlefield with that many loyalty counters. From then on, that characteristic is how many loyalty counters it currently has, which is I think the only example of a characteristic changing what its definition is, to more or less depending on where what zone it's in. But uh, those loyalty counters are used for loyalty abilities. They can only be activated once per turn per permanent. So if you somehow turn your Jace the Mind Sculptor into a Chandra Ablaze and it's already used an ability, it can't use another ability even though it has a different name. And Is, is there any way to actually do that? Yeah, that uh, You have to turn it into an artifact first. Huh. Okay. I'm just going to trust you on them that into one. an artifact and then copy it and, and then into a creature and then copy it. Okay. Cause you can mirror weave them cause they're not legendary. Right. Right. Okay. So 
the other anyway, sorry yeah the other um, example is if, if you give uh, a creature loyalty abilities which can be done pretty easily with gideon um and uh, experiment crotch the it's it's an intrinsic rule of the loyalty abilities i say intrinsic way too much this episode uh, it's an intrinsic rule of the loyalty ability that if a creature has loyalty abilities, only one, it can only be activated once a turn. So even if Kraj gets loyalty abilities, they can only be activated once a turn. Hey, you know, another nice bit of trivia about loyalty abilities. I love trivia about loyalty abilities. They are never mana abilities. That's 100% correct. Just a little little tip from us to you. Even if it makes mana, it's not a mana ability because it's a loyalty ability. It's a, It's yep. actually a clause. Can't happen. Yeah, that's another one of those yep. rules that it would be possible if a rule didn't just outright say it's not possible. Yeah, I think that's just because they don't want you to sit there and make a bunch of red mana with Koth and have nobody able to do anything in response. Yeah, and you also could do it like in the middle of casting a spell if you wanted to. Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah. Yeah. Which that'd be that's very awkward. Prob- that's probably the you could the real you reason. could uh, you can only do it anytime you could do a sorcery except in the middle of casting a spell. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you, could you pay for mana leak with it that way? If, uh, if we change the think... rules to make yeah. this work the way we so, want so it, to? it to, be a sure. Even though even with the timing restriction, I'm pretty sure you could still pay for mana leak because it ignores the timing restrictions when a spell gives it. Yeah, that's so weird. That's why. Yeah. So you so can't do you stuff go. like that. To be clear, you cannot pay use use it for you mana leak. Cannot do this thing. But if it not were a mana it, ability, not collect two hundred dollars. <laughs> yes. If we change the rules to do this thing that we want it to do for the lulls, then it, then it would it. work. <laughs> then it would do it. Um. So. Um. I think that just answers like eighty percent of the questions on Matt Tabak's Tumblr, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because we didn't change the rules. If we change uh, the rules to make it work this way, it worked this way. So with loyalty abilities, when you add or subtract loyalty, that's the cost of that ability. Much like when you pay mana for a spell, uh, that's the cost. So it's if you respond to it, those counters are already there or already removed. Um, and everything else after that cost is the ability itself. Uh, you can't get rid of loyalty to use an ability. So like with Garrick, Relentless, you can't go... I'm going to use the zero ability and take a counter off for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this this came this came up a lot like uh, Jace in the past. It was something like you know my opponent just played a Jace. Can I bolt Jace before he can use the plus? And uh, this this touches a little more on priority, but uh, the fact is when he when that Jace resolves on his turn, he gets priority back immediately. Uh, he has priority, and if he activates Jace, and paying the cost of Jace is to put those counters on Jace. So you cannot like try to bolt and kill him. Now, if your opponent is silly and doesn't actually uh, activate the ability right away, if they do something else, yes. you can respond to that and and then bolt Jace, which you should, by the way, if at all possible. If you have a bolt, bolt Jace. <laughs> uh, because I, you know, we haven't mentioned yet, loyalty abilities can only be activated. You know, oh, Brian did say whenever you could cast a sorcery. I'm trying not to use that phrase, and I think we'll see why later. Uh, but loyalty abilities can only be used, uh, let's say, whenever you could have normally cast a permanent. Well, well, it's either whenever you could cast a sorcery, or we say at sorcery speed. Or you could just say not, no. during a main phase on your turn when the stack, stack is, is empty. empty. Yeah, that's a lot of words. No, it's real easy. That's uh, a lot of words. So they can't try to respond by doing a planeswalker so ability. How about, oh, how about this? Guys, write in with a nice uh, acronym that we can use to, to indicate any time you could play sorcery or when the stack is empty uh, uh, and you have priority and it's your turn. Any sort of acronym and we, that we can start calling it. You know, like bestow away was a cute little word that 
that conveyed what we needed it to convey quickly and efficiently. Uh, do you guys have any suggestions? We're not giving you anything for it. Just help us out here. <laughs> just help us out. Just help us hey, out. We, uh... Just before anybody else does, I'm going to call when rules allow playing sorceries because rap is awesome. Ooh. Not music, just rap. I like the, the acronym. That's pretty good. Raps. Raps. It's, it's not terrible. So you can That's only activate loyalty abilities rap. Raps. That'd be plural. Yeah, the raps abilities. Raps. Ah, the raps ability. Yeah, that's actually not too bad. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if it'll catch on, but probably won't. I... I'm gonna start telling people their raps abilities just to see what people say. <laughs> well, then probably because I've got some of those players that are like they think they know a lot about rules and they pretend to know more than they do, and, and they'll just be like, "Oh yeah, I heard of that one." <laughs> I'm not sure what Buster Rhymes has to do with playing a sorcery, but okay. Hey, we but kind of breeze past something. Than that or along with that, please let us know. Um, what else about Planeswalkers, guys? Well, oh. we, we breezed past something that I wanted to mention when, when we were talking about it, which sure. is, uh, you know, that whole, uh, the adding and subtracting of the loyalty counters is the cost. It's not the effect. It's the cost of, of activating these loyalty abilities. Do you know how you guys can tell that you <clears throat> folks at home? If you look carefully at a Planeswalker card, it's got the, the up arrows and the down arrows and the pluses or the minuses or maybe even the zero if it's one of those Planeswalkers. But then it has a colon and then an effect, almost as if it's been written as cost colon effect. Isn't that handy? Crazy. It's so, like they thought of this. Like science. <laughs> yeah. So he, so here's here is as part of that, um, let's let's look at uh, a card such as Garuk the Veil Cursed. Sure. Okay. Let's say it has three loyalty counters on it, and you activate its third ability, which requires you to, as the cost, to remove three loyalty counters. And it says creatures you control gain trample until, uh, and plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. When you activate that ability, the ability is going to go on the stack. Then my Garuk has zero loyalty counters on it. It uh -oh. is actually, there is a state-based action before that ability resolves that's going to take it and put it into the graveyard. So our Garuk, the Veiled Curse, is actually off the battlefield before that ability resolves in that particular case because its loyalty dropped to zero. So that actually covers a few things on the list. But that was that's actually been something that's that that I've seen in some events where someone like, you know, activates it to remove the last counter and then someone wants to target it in response to the last counter coming off Weird. and that doesn't work when the last counter comes off uh, before a player can do anything it's gone along those same lines if, if the gurk only had two counters on it you could not pay the cost of removing three counters from it so you can't you have to have that much loyalty in order to activate that ability uh, it's not much Wait. different what you're you're telling me that I can't just go ahead and play a Karn and just you know use his ultimate ability right away I've and just take people, him negative? Yeah, I've heard people ask if you can, and I and I think it's because they're like, well, I'm losing my Planeswalker. Um, but yes, you cannot do that. That would be insane. It's like dealing. It's like dealing damage to it. It can take twelve damage. Right, but that's a different thing. I don't know, CJ. This is almost like you're telling me that I can't activate an ability if I can't pay its cost. That's right. I don't know about this. Same thing happens with um, Grizzlebrand. When if you don't have seven <laughs> life, you can't pay seven life. If you have six life, you cannot pay seven life. You can't be like, well, I'll just go in the negatives. You don't have hey, what, much life. What if my life total can't change? You also cannot pay the cost. Huh, man. Weird, it's right? like they thought of everything. Yeah, it is. 
All right, so let's talk about Planeswalkers and combat. <laughs> They're weirdos. They are very weird. Very weird. All right. So how is how are they weird? Well, uh, let's say let's say that you have uh, uh, some creatures. Let's say you've got a bear cub. Oh, good. And and your oh. opponent has a uh, a garouk. Uh, let's say the veil cursed. Why not? And it's got two counters on it. And you swing with that adorable bear cub who's going to maul Garouk for two. What what actually happens when Garouk gets dealt that damage? He will lose two loyalty counters. He will, in fact, lose, lose two loyalty he counters. He won't so, have yep. damage marked on him. Nothing like that happens when some when a creature, or actually when a planeswalker takes damage, <laughs> damage in this case results in them losing loyalty counters. Yeah. Now, this actually brings up a really weird situation that can come up if we, instead of Garouk, let's let's get our buddy Gideon Uh-oh. involved. Oh, right. oh, this question. Let's do oh, it. Man, it is rough. Okay, so let's say let's say I've got a Gideon, uh, uh, old school Gideon, and I turn him into uh, uh, what does he become? A soldier? Yeah, six six. Yep. I turn him into a six six soldier and prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn, but. Yep. My opponent, let's say Bitty Kitty. Bitty Kitty's got a uh, Ley Line of Punishment out. And Ley Line of Punishment, I believe, says damage can't be prevented. Okay. And and can't beats can, right? So so in this case, I've got a Gideon, and I want to say that no damage can happen to Gideon, but the Ley Line of Punishment that Bitty Kitty has says, no, 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 damage can totally happen to Gideon. So I swing with my Gideon, and Bitty Kitty blocks with her Bear Cub. Okay. What happens to my Gideon? So this is an odd case, but in this case, Gideon is both a creature and a planeswalker. Yep. So so both things happen to him. So what happens to a creature? Take it. Well, creature creature gets damage. Creature gets damage, so it gets two damage marked on it from the bear cub. And what happens to a planeswalker? Well, if it's dealt damage, you remove that many loyalty counters. Okay. So it loses so, that many loyalty. So it loses that many loyalty counters. You so, do both. So you end up with a six six Gideon with let's let's say he started off with six loyalty counters. I don't know. So you, you end up with a 6-6 six, six Gideon with two damage marked on him and four loyalty counters. Which is really, really strange. It's weird. But it's it's yep. absolutely, totally true. I know there's at least one person out there going, no, these guys are wrong. There's no way that that's the way it works. If, nope. if the bear... I used to kill so many Gideons with Combust back when they were both in Standard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about how that works. How uh, dealing damage to Planeswalkers works if it isn't combat damage. Oh, okay. Um, I thought you meant Gideon and preventing. I'm like, just we just went over that. No, no. Um, so uh, if it's not combat damage, if you're not attacking the Planeswalker directly, or in the case of Gideon, blocking it with Ley Lines of Punishment, um, then you, you actually can't just, like... Th- there's a shortcut that you'll hear people use all the time where they'll say, I'll shock your... or lightning strike your... Jace. Your Jace. Jace. That's for <laughs> you that? clues. That's for yeah, you Yeah, always, always lightning... Always hit the Jace. That's right. Always hit the Jace. Yeah, so you lightning strike your Jace. And, uh, and that's a fine shortcut, but you can't actually target a Planeswalker with that spell because you can't target a Planeswalker with something that says target player and doesn't now, say target Planeswalker. Wait a minute there, Jess Dunks. I believe that the nice folks at Watsy Marketing would lead me to believe that when I am playing a game of Magic, I am a Planeswalker. <laughs> so if they can target me with the Lightning Bolt, you're telling me they can't target the Planeswalker with the Lightning Bolt? Right. Well, you know, I can't speak for the rest of us, but I guess in your case, some planeswalkers are more powerful than you. No. Oh. Even the bad Chandra. 
Or, or alternatively, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold it. it's the just because Chandra? of your awesome magnetism. You can be targeted by lots of things. Or Tybalt. <laughs> oh. Or, oh, Tybalt. But we oh, should Tybalt. we should clear that up because that comes up sometimes. Is yeah. Planeswalkers so, are I, not players and right. they are not the same thing. Yeah, and no matter what Watsi Marketing wants to lead you to believe, uh, the, the concept of you being a Planeswalker is marketing speak. It's, they're, 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 you're not a Planeswalker card. You're still a person, I hope. Um, but planeswalker permanence, planeswalker cards on the battlefield, they're not players, they can't be targeted by things that say target player. Okay, and you might ask, well, why not? And the answer is because there are just too many cards that don't make sense if you target a planeswalker. If I tell my planeswalker that it has to draw two cards, that doesn't make sense. If I tell my planeswalker that it has to, to discard cards or sacrifice a creature, none of these things make sense or because lose the game. Or or yes, my planeswalker has to lose the game. Like there 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 are too many effects that say target player that just don't make sense. So they decided that you could not target a planeswalker with cards that say target player. So instead, what you do is you target your opponent with that lightning strike, and when it resolves, if it resolves, then you get to choose whether to deal the damage to that player or to that Jace in this example. And you can shortcut through this, like I said, by just saying, I'm going to lightning strike your Jace. But you could also just as easily say, I'm going to lightning strike you. And when they say, okay, that resolves, you go, I'm going to redirect that damage to your Jace. What you cannot do is lightning strike your own Jace. What? You cannot redirect any damage from a source you control to your own Planeswalker. All right, so let me ask this. Let's say that, and this is a hypothetical situation, and here's how you know that it's hypothetical. So let's say that I control a Jace. That's how we know this is in magical dreamland. Let's say I control a Jace, and a bitty kitty throws a lightning bolt my way. And, you know, I look at the counter spells in my hand, and I go, eh, I got lots of life. I'll go ahead and let him hit me for three. That's fine. And then bitty kitty says, oh, ho, ho, I'm going to redirect that to your Jace. Can I counter it now? No, if it, let it resolve. Yeah, because I said I said resolves, and then Betty Kitty goes redirect to your Jason. I go, well, wait, I want to mana leak that. Nope, nope. So this right here, I, I guess, is a, is a fine time to point out. Uh, we discuss the ins and outs of when you can say redirect to who and what and where in our tournament shortcuts episode. What number is that, CJ? I, I had honestly thought you'd looked it up. Otherwise, why would you try to lead into it? Way to put him I on the saw. spot, Brian. Yes. Man. Holy crap. I wow. I don't know, man. We did an episode on... It was episode Turn number 83 that came out on January 9th, 2014, titled Cut Short. Yes, it was. Wow. There's yes, also an episode on replacement effects. Uh, that was episode number 45. 45? Wow. Yeah, that was one of our early ones. Oh, I forgot we've been doing that, this so long. Do you guys realize that this is our two-year anniversary? Well... I mean, says you. What? No. Go look. Go look at the the thing. Right, but oh, by date, by actual date. Yeah, by actual date. Okay. All right. I'll take it then. Well, happy anniversary, guys. Happy anniversary. Anniversary. Yay. Hey. <laughs> it was clearly a big deal. And I us. give you, I give you the present of clues. Oh, it's the best. He's oh. now yours. Now he's now yours. Huh. I'm not sure. I'm okay with this. <laughs> We fine. Uh, what else about planes? All right. Did we did we want to talk about anything else with planeswalkers? Oh, okay. So this is the one time I'm going to talk about subtypes because this because you haven't done that already this episode. I haven't. No. There's a plan and I'm sticking to it. 
uh, the Planeswalkers do have subtypes, and the subtypes are basically what story character there are. So Jace, all the Jaces have subtype Jace, all the Chandras have subtype Chandra. Um, those are used for what is commonly referred to as the Planeswalker uniqueness rule, which means that if you have two or more Planeswalkers with the same subtype out uh, under the same player's control, so you have them both. You have By out, it means in play. In play. Uh, you have to choose one and put the others in the graveyard. This is a state-based action. It's very similar to the legendary rule, which we will get to in a little bit, uh, with the difference being that it looks at subtypes and not names. A few things about permanence. One is, if it's talking about a permanent, okay, it's talking about a permanent on the battlefield. If a spell or ability refers to a permanent card, it's referring to a card in your library, uh, your graveyard, basically somewhere other than the stack or the battlefield, okay? Um, and it's talking about a permanent card is specifically referring to an artifact creature, enchantment, uh, or planeswalker card. A permanent spell uh, is talking about a spell that when uh, is, is on the stack, and when it resolves, it'll become a permanent as part of its resolution, okay? So if, if a spell or ability talks about a permanent, it's talking about something on the battlefield. If it's talking about a, uh, a permanent spell, it's talking about something on the stack. If it's talking about a permanent card, it's somewhere other than those two places. Cool. Okay, and then one other neat little thing for the rules nerds out there um there's a fun little rule uh if a permanent somehow loses all of its permanent types it remains on the battlefield it's still permanent yes i forget how to make this happen but it involves some uh some blue mirrored creature yeah it's it's probably the the quicksilver element no no it's uh it's i i don't I don't remember, but yeah. basically you can you can make it you can make somehow your artifact creature stop being both an artifact and a creature. So so what happens? Yeah, it's, it's like a two two blue. It's just so, yeah, it's just a two two. I blue. guess it doesn't even have power and toughness. I guess it's just a blue. Yeah, it's just a thing. It's just blue. <laughs> so it's still a permanent. Still sits out there on the battlefield. Doesn't that just make you mad, clues? It doesn't it, even it have actually. A, it's just blue. It actually does. It's just, <laughs> it's just a blue thing. This is the, the embodiment of blue. That's it. It's all you need. It's a big ball of blue. <laughs> why, why does that? Why does that make you mad? Because uh, I have a deep-seated hatred for blue. Why? <laughs> oh, do, do, is this, I thought is we wanted this... to finish this show at some point. Do you really want to know? Well, I'm just wondering why, and and I'm I'm wondering. Just tell me real quick. Is it for a reason other than the Blue's Clues joke I was going to make earlier and decided not to? <laughs> oh, no, that's that's fine. I get that joke all the time, although I do want to point out once and for all that I do predate Blue's Clues by quite some Sure, time. but this uh, seems like you're talking am, about Blue and Clues didn't like it, so it seemed like a good time for Blue's Clues. I just decided yeah, not to. I, I suppose so, but I, I, I'm actually older than Prillaman, if anyone could believe that. Uh, <gasps> I know. What? I know, it's great. Crazy. I don't believe you. Do you know why I don't believe you? Yeah. You're still alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you yeah. sure? I'm 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 basically I'm basically that guy from the Hellboy movie that like his blood turned into dust and the only he has to crank himself up in the morning. Uh but to answer your question briefly, oh. Jess Dunks, it's because uh blue in magic does all of the unfair things. Not some of them, all of them. It does all of the unfair things pretty much all of the time 
and it does everything it can to prevent me from actually playing the game. And uh, I find that, uh, number one, annoying, number two, frustrating, and number three, it's those bastards who are playing blue that are making the matches go to time and slowing down my tournament. So, there's a wide variety of reasons that I don't like blue. Uh, that third reason is actually probably the one I, I can get behind the most. Yeah, that's not really you, blue's no. fault, that third one. Yeah. Okay. That's, I, that's I, people I think who can't is. play blue, pl- trying to play blue. Like, that's the problem. You can't expect there's, a match to be over in an instant. There's uh-huh. there's also the problem uh, that... I can't uh, ignore the segue. I'm ignoring the segue. <laughs> you got me going on blue. There's also the problem that Watsi R&D seems to have a deep-seated love for blue in that they give it, you know, the, the most efficient one-drop creature, uh, one of the best two-drop creatures, uh, the best planeswalker, the best planeswalker, uh, the best planeswalker. Uh, they give it all those counter spells, the best card draws. I mean, you name it, they've given it to blue. And then, you know, whenever coverage decides to take an Esper Control v. Esper Control mirror match and put it on camera, it makes me want to claw out my own eyes. <laughs> it is because, you know, everybody loves the riveting game where we get to five lands apiece before we actually do anything. And that's riveting coverage there, guys. So, hey, you speaking know what? I watched, of... I watched a match that was Control versus was Blue Eye Control versus Esper Control. I was watching it this weekend, and uh, and one player only got to four lands before he did something. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know what he did? Man, that's riveting. Did he, he then play a land? Oh, okay. All right. Most of the rules for instance and sorceries are <laughs> basically the same, so we'll cover them together. But instants have the... Uh, so neither of these are permanent types, but instants have the rule where you can cast them whenever you have priority. So the only ones where I'm not Ooh. saying has to be on your main phase when the stack is empty when you have priority. Anytime Perhaps. you have priority, you can cast an instant. Can I bring up split second or no? No. There's okay. lots of exceptions to magic rules. Very well. Um, if a card with split second is on the stack, you cannot cast an instant. Although triggered abilities can still trigger. And you can morph. And you can morph because that is a special action. Special action. Um, and if you had a land with flash, I believe you could play. No, don't flash land. No flash land. <laughs> <laughs> you shut your hole. Um, <laughs> uh, sorceries can only be cast. Wraps. Wraps. When does that work? When it's redundant to say that sorceries can only be cast wraps because it's when rules allow playing sorceries. Oh well, well, well so by we... definition, then yeah, circles are circular shaped. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> this, some rules this about... seems like the most mathematical thing we could ever say. Uh, you so can cast sorceries when wraps. About instants and sorceries. When wraps? We're almost Let's an hour. We're I almost mean, an hour I wanted in. to add another. Win. Okay, okay. We are not even on super types, and they are so super. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. There's not a whole lot to say about super types. There's plenty. Uh, ne- next episode is going to be like four hours. It man. is. Um, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> both instants and sorceries. Um, so like we mentioned earlier, if something says they should enter the battlefield, they will stay where they are. There is. It's just flat. No, it's not happening. Um, if something says it can be cast or activated whenever you could cast an instant, and uh, it means it doesn't mean truly whenever you could cast an instant, it means whenever you have priority. Um, and let me touch on the next one too. Uh, so if something says it can only be cast or activated whenever whenever you could cast a sorcery. It specifically means this main phase stack is empty. You have priority. Um, so say you have something like um, what's that? Is it dragon? But it gives all your sorceries flash. Or, oh, I was just going to go with Leyline of Anticipation. Or Leyline of Anticipation, which lets yeah. you cast your, you know, it lets you cast your sorceries probably as though they had flash. Um, 
That does not mean that if you have an ability that says activate this ability only when you could cast a sorcery, it doesn't mean you could suddenly start activating that ability. Uh, when something says do this only you know, when you could cast a sorcery, it's actually shorthand for cast on your main phase when the stack is empty when you have priority. So something changing your permissions to cast the actual sorceries in your hand does not change the permissions for activating abilities that say those kinds of things. Yep. By the way, are there... I think that's a wrap. <laughs> no. It's not. <laughs> um, are there other are other things except Lion's Eye Diamond that say activate this ability only when you could it an instant? Because I, I can't think of any. I think that's the only one. Yeah. All right. Tribal. Ah, uh, yes. Tribal. Tribal. Tribal is almost entirely irrelevant. Yep. There are only two, two hey. things. What's that? I said, hey. <laughs> I like it tribal. Is. It is. There are only two, two reasons tribal exists. The first yes. one is because things that don't have a creature type, or that, that there are types that can't have creature types. Before tribal was made, the only type that could have creature types was creatures. Tribal is a type that can have creature types, right? And so that's one reason it exists. The other reason it exists is because Tarmogoyf needed another thing to make <laughs> it good. That's it. If yeah, you, you ever get that scheme in your graveyard, you're gonna be yeah. Just there, there you go. Away. Clues, something for your for your anti blue. They created a whole new type just for a green creature. That doesn't really help my anti blue. Really. Well, I mean, should be like, oh, green got something cool. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. If they could have made Tarmogoyf blue, they probably would have. You, you are so bitter. <laughs> you are. I I am. I really do hate blue. People don't see. Well, I say that, and people are like, oh no, he doesn't. No, no, really. Actually, I do. So, like Jess said, tribal solely exists to give non-creatures cards um, creature subtypes. Uh, what that means is tribal is always paired with another type. Uh, so you could have tribal instance, tribal lands. Well, I don't think those exist. Uh, tribal, tribal artifacts. Yeah, you will never see a tribal creature because there's no point in it because creatures already have creature subtypes. They're already a part but of you that. But you could have a tribal creature elf elf. You could. I think that multiple instances of elf are redundant. I, I think there's that's actually no rule somewhere. Nope, there's no rule that says that because there there's, there's that golem uh, that lets you name a creature type as it enters the battlefield and creatures of that type get plus one plus one. And if you name golem with that, it's going to be a golem golem. And there's no rule that says it wouldn't be a golem golem. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, does it get plus one plus one twice? No. No, but it's still it's, a golem golem. It's a golem golem. No, it doesn't even affect itself anyway. But oh. if you had two golem golems out, uh, no, because each all of those types of cards say other creatures get the not for each type they are that is the whatever. So right, sure. Something that comes up a lot is why isn't tribal a super type? And it's exactly what we were saying earlier: is that the hierarchy is super type, type, subtype. Tribal exists solely to give creature subtypes, so therefore tribal must be a type, uh, and therefore Tyrmogoyf must be one bigger. You must be a what? One bigger. One bigger. Oh, one mm. bigger. Okay. But did, Don't ask. I was going to say, did I? Did it sound like I said something I should edit out? <laughs> is, is what I'm asking. Um, no. Okay. But I'll also say for all of you out there who were thinking of tar firing a Tarmogoyf, don't bother. Because Tarfire is a, a, a tribal instant. Oh, that's right. They used to play those cards yeah. together in standard. It was it was awesome. I still play them together in Legacy. Well, I don't play that format. I only play Modern. What? But there's so there's no viable Goblins deck in Modern, so why would you play it? Because Birthing Pod, okay, is all like right. my all-time favorite card, and I we played can't. it in Standard. No, and now no. I played it in Modern. No more tournament talk. <laughs> no more tournament talk. It's too much tournaments. Too many. Um, 
some final notes on types. Like we've mentioned a bunch of times, types can be combined. You can have an artifact creature. You can have an enchantment creature. You can have artifact lands. Um, you can have enchantment artifact creature. Y- yes, you could. Um, you do in Theros. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. An enchantment artifact creature. Yeah. Yep, it exists. Really? Those, okay. Uh, they make golem tokens. The golem tokens. Oh, cool. Um, the only the only part where it gets gets funky is if you combine land with another type uh in that case the land rules kind of take over and from that point on if you if you have a land creature or a land artifact uh those are the two i believe exist um that card can only be played as a land so they'll never make a land creature with a casting cost but even if they did the rules just don't support that right now the card has to be played as a land it's not a spell and the podcast the final thing to note about types is emblem is not a type there's just not going to be another opportunity to talk about emblems, but they are just a thing that's in the command zone. They can't be interacted with. They have no characteristics. They are a nothing. Yeah, permanents are on the battlefield. It's not on the battlefield. It's not, definitely not a permanent. I mean, it may be permanent because you can't interact with it, but that so, doesn't make it a permanent. Speaking of things that are on the battlefield and not on the battlefield, um, an important thing to note about the way that cards interact with types is that some cards will say, like, target creature. Some cards will talk about a target creature spell. And some cards will talk about a creature card. What's the difference between those three? I think Brian kind of said it earlier. Did he? He, he did. Yes. Oh, Maybe. Creatures on the battlefield, creature card is, uh, creature spell is on the stack, creature card is everywhere else. Really? I totally missed that? Was I yeah, part he, of that yeah, conversation? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he he totally said it. Yep. Oh. It was after bad. Planeswalkers. It's oh. okay. I was just, just going to play it straight and re-answer it. <laughs> Sorry. All right. All right. It's, it's okay. Let's uh let's run through super types. There's there's four of us and That's four of them. That's a Rick James song, right? I my knowledge of Rick James songs is not good enough to understand. Uh, MC joke. Hammer sampled it. <laughs> Rick Dude, James. can't touch this. Oh, okay. Oh, jeez. All right. I'm uh, going to have to educate you, boy, after this podcast. <laughs> so I'll take basic. Uh, so basic is one of the four super types. Any land with the basic super type is a basic land. Hey, that makes a lot of sense. Um, any land without the basic super type is a non-basic land, even if it has one of the basic land subtypes. So that's, you know, forest, plain, swamp, island, mountain. Um, so the, the, the shock lands, they are not basic lands, even though they have basic land subtypes because they do not have the word basic. Um, beyond that, basic actually has no meaning at all. There's no meaning in the rules underneath basic for what it means. And there's no rules saying that it should be attached solely to lands. Technically, you could have a basic creature, um, but because basic has no rules meaning at all, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean you can have any amount of it in your deck. Uh, it's a separate rule under the deck construction that says that you know a deck can have any number of basic lands. Uh, but beyond that, you know, if you're out there making your own set and you're like, I'm going to make a basic rat. No, it doesn't it doesn't do anything. It doesn't mean anything. You'd have to change the rules to have that have any meaning. That's it. That's all in basic because it really means nothing. Yeah, it's pretty basic. It is pretty basic. Um, basically, it is. I guess. So the next one we have then is uh, legendary as a super type. Ooh. And legendary is it's used uh, to denote usually storyline characters or characters that are specific. Like instead of just having a generic soldier in play, I might have Thalia, guardian of Thraben in play, who is a specific soldier. So only one of them can exist at a time on my side of the battlefield. <laughs> yes. And uh, so two permanents with the same name are both legendary. 
the owner has to choose one of them and put it into their graveyard as a state-based action. Um, so both of them have to be legendary. They have to share the same name, and that's the exact same name. So if I have, uh, like, Micaeus the Lunarch and Micaeus the Unhallowed out, I can have both of them in play at the same time. Or, like, if you want to go way back, I think it's Jessica and Phage. <laughs> that that takes deep story knowledge. Uh, usually people just say Kamal and Kamal. I know, I know it's that's but hey anyway I got it you can't have you can't have or you can have Jessica Phage and Corona all out at the same time yes uh, <laughs> or Xena goes no same character so um now this this is interesting because it has nothing to do with the Planeswalker uniqueness rule the Planeswalker uniqueness rule that we mentioned earlier is basically the same rule for Planeswalkers except it it asks about their their uh, subtype as CJ explained and in the case of, like, so the question I've gotten a lot recently is with Xenagos, God of Revels, and Xenagos, the Reveler, you can have both of them in play at the same time because one of them is a planeswalker and one of them is an enchantment creature. Just like Nicol Bolas and Nicol Bolas. Nicol Bolas planeswalker and Nicol Bolas, just Nicol Bolas. Just plain old nickel Bolas. Plain old, I call him Nick Yogurt. Yes, and one of my favorite things to do there is to use to turn one into an artifact and then use bludgeon brawl so <laughs> I, can, I can equip nickel bolus with nickel bolus yep and now you can do that with xenagos and xenagos yep uh you could also do it with um what's his face the toad karn. Order. karn you do a karn and also Vincer. Vincer, yep uh the only so yeah the only thing to add here is is like like i said so both permanents have to be legendary so somehow let's say some trick you had a Micaeus the lunark out that was legendary and then had a Micaeus the lunark out that wasn't legendary i don't know if you can even make this happen but if you could the legend rule would not apply um a better example of something you can actually do is there's an aura that makes your land um i don't know like an 8-8 creature or something like that it's from kamikawa and it makes it legendary um so you could have a legendary swamp out that's not going to make you have to sacrifice all the but one swamp because your other swamps are not legendary. That's all. They have to both be legendary. Okay, I think we've pretty much covered legendary. Yep. So okay, what's so next? let me let me tell you guys a tale. No, please Once, do. As as I was staring into the abyss, there in those forsaken wastes, I looked in the eye of chaos and had a revelation about world enchantments. It's getting weird. Isn't it though? For a second, so those... I you're going to get all religious. No, no, actually, I was just grabbing all of the world enchantments I could find and trying to make up a sentence that almost made sense. Oh, and I came wow. real close. Yeah. Wow. I did it. Those, uh, the abyss, forsaken wastes, in the eye of chaos, and revelation are all world enchantments there are actually only 26 of them i did not pick up on a one there oh i did like, I, I didn't i didn't get the reference at all that's really good there's, there's like one guy out there who thought that was hilarious yeah. i thought it was and, funny i thought it was a veritable bazaar of wonders it was <laughs> I, uh, thank you very much there's another one so if you can make up a uh, let's say a mad libs that contains all 26 world enchantments uh why don't you email it to judge cast yeah, why not? It'll be yes, fun. Good, good luck with Sarah if, if you can, If you can do that, we'll bring clues back on to read it. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Oh, wow. Tombstone Stairwell is a world enchantment. Totally. There are all kinds of great stuff in world enchantments for a certain value of great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. World is a super type that appears to uh, only appear on enchantments. And uh, it's... It's a weird one. So 
You know how normal enchantments usually do stuff to the whole board? World enchantments are like that, but with extra rules baggage. So if you've ever played Planes Chase, uh, the Planes cards basically replace the functionality of world cards. But there are still some world cards flying around. Uh, there are claims you will see them in games. If you do, it's probably a game of commanders, so don't bother calling us when something goes off the rails, because that's what that format was for. Uh, but what you need to know about world enchantments is the special rules that uh, it, it actually involves a state-based action. I think it's 704.5M, oh, if I'm sure. not, that uh, says if two or more permanents, so they're on the battlefield. Remember, that's where we have our permanents. If two or more permanents have the super type world, all but the newest one are put into the graveyard. So it's it's just like when you go to uh, when you roll the planes chase die and you go to a new plane and you flip over the new plane, the old plane goes away. Same idea there. Uh, it's, it's not like the legend rule. Their names don't matter. It's just that the newest one stays, the oldest one goes. Now, what happens if there's a tie? Well, then we have the added insanity of all of them go away. Basically, uh, if, if I can't have the world enchantment, nobody has the world enchantment. They're all gone. Turning this car around, you lousy kids. So I think flavorfully, I think Plane Chase nails this. Like, it's supposed to be like you're on this world or that world. So that's why there can only ever be one world out at a time. I don't know. I think it's cool. I wish they'd bring it back. If we ever have if we ever have two hit the hit the battlefield at the same time, we're at a concordant crossroads, <laughs> then we have to uh, sacrifice them all or yeah, put them all in the graveyard. And we will end up in the caverns of despair if that happens. Boy, that sure is a field of dreams right there, isn't it, Clues? <laughs> really, really is. You guys said there was nothing to say about world enchantments. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're going pretty deep here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there actually is one that I feel, it, it really feels like it ought to be a snow world enchantment, but it's not, and that's Winter's Night. Because whenever a player taps a snow land for mana, that player adds one mana to his or her mana pool of any type that land produced. Oh, a snow land. So it should have been a snow world enchantment. Snow world. Ah, uh, yes. Snow. Snow is yet another super type. And it's the bestest super type. And it's probably out of the super types that don't get used very frequently. It's the latest. Uh, back during Cold Snap. Uh... So, um, if something has this super type, it is a snow permanent, or a snow permanent spell, or a snow permanent card, depending on where it is. Um, and there are some cards that have a uh, cost that uses the snow mana symbol, looks like a little snowflake. Uh, that means that the costs must be paid using mana of any kind generated by a snow permanent. So a snow land or a uh, snow basic land island will generate both blue mana. It'll generate the, the blue mana or the mana generated is both blue and snowy. Snow. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that these things, that, that snow lands produce snow mana. <laughs> what? That's, just, <laughs> but that's not true. Like it, if that was a true statement, it, it, that would have, whatever. 
<laughs> so I, I think the weirdest thing about the Snowlands, uh, which, by the way, if you are uh, if, if you're playing a format that supports them, by all means, put in Snowlands because it's funny, uh, is that uh, your Snowlands are still basic lands, even if they're Snowlands, yep. right? They're snow so basic. They yes. are snow like a snow basic swamp is a is a still a basic. So still a basic. Yes. Blood Moon need not apply. So, and let me touch on that a little bit since since you brought it up is because uh, sometimes people ask like why can't I put snowlands in my standard deck and uh, the truth is they're not legal in standard like I don't think people realize this but the only reason basic lands are legal in standard is because they were printed in in one of the most recent sets in standard like if wizards yeah. forgot to print basic lands for two years they would rotate out and I don't know and, what and would if we it was do. an island clues would be very happy yes, <laughs> yes. that uh, would be great so. Snowlands rotated out a long time ago, and they are, they All are right. no longer legal. So here, here's a here's a fun judgy judgy situation uh, uh, for you that actually happened at uh, we'll say a regular REL. Okay, at a draft, uh, player goes over, uh, builds himself a sweet blue white heroic deck, goes over to the land box, gets himself some land, and round uh round two he plays himself a snow-covered plains yeah i'm gonna no i'm not gonna you know at regular REL, first off i'm gonna be like in the future don't play those but even at competitive i'm gonna be like okay that was like that's like to error i'm not gonna be too harsh on that yeah but i really love the fix for this because what do we do at an event when a player has a card that is illegal in the format (laughs) we we remove it and replace it with (laughs) a basic basic land of their choice so I'm not going to let them so, change the land here. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, so, so if they really needed really needed a different basic right now, they they got it. No, no they don't. No, I, I So this so this hap this happened. It was just like, okay, here's your here's your, here's your planes, right? Cuz they'd been using it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So and then and then the opponent was like, "Hey, wait a second. So so Yes. So do so, we? Is there snow more to talk about? Sorry, I shouldn't laugh at my own joke. No, that's 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 pretty much all. Uh, okay, um, let's see here. Uh, oh, you have a note in here. You you actually say since you'll never get another chance to discuss this. So CJ, do you want to? Okay. Since this is your only opportunity. Verbatim. Since I'll never get another opportunity to discuss snow mana symbols. If something reduces the cost of a spell or ability by one generic mana, it does not reduce any snow mana symbols in the cost. That is, that is something that would probably never come up in an episode, and I was like, we'll never have an opportunity, but right now, yup, that's all. Okay, yeah, that's it. That's it for um, types and super types, so stay tuned. We keep saying next week as if we record weekly, but stay tuned for two weeks from now, where we'll talk about subtypes, other stupid jokes, and also type-changing effects, so type-changing effects are very exciting. Uh, we have a little bit of news to talk about, though. You guys ready for news? Yes. Me too. Uh, uh, apparently Milkshake is. It's, uh, yes. I don't know. what. Like, why isn't he asleep right now? All right. So we have a new regional coordinator in Latin America. Nobody knows. <laughs> oh. The trouble I've seen? Well, it's snow. It's nobody knows. Yeah. No. We, yeah. It's nobody news. Oh. Anyway, that's oh, Adrian Astute. Snow news is good news. So congratulations. <laughs> What's this? What's this about Adrian? He's he's the new regional coordinator in Latin America. Awesome. He's for... taking over. He's taking over for uh, Damian Hiller, uh, who's the L four, who uh, has uh, has 
I guess, uh, relinquished or or basically he realized that L4 duties were taking up a lot of his time. So in order to uh, have a regional coordinator who can do the energy uh, or who can put forward the energy into where it needed to be, uh, he stepped down and Adrian uh, stepped up. Congrats, Adrian. Uh, we also have four new level threes. And four. Brian, why don't you uh, talk about them? Oh, okay. Uh, so we have four new L3s. We have uh, uh, Federico Donner from Uruguay, Sean Hunt from Canada. Capro on IRC. Uh, yep, Capro. Oliver Tremel from Austria. And uh, I'm going to say uh, Jernage, uh Lipovec from Slovenia. It's uh, I'm pretty sure it's Yerne. Yerne? <laughs> because I, I, I looked was... it up on the interweb. <laughs> I've, I've always just been saying Journey, and then I sing Don't Stop Believing. Don't Stop Well, you shouldn't stop believing. believing. No, you shouldn't, ever. But you should. You know what you should start? Emails. Emails! Our first email comes from Lone Wolf Trickster. Mysterious. Oh, it's about loops. And actually, Jess already answered this earlier. <laughs> if I play oh. Shockland up top of my deck, do I decide to shock before or after I see the next card? Um, so, hey, I, I actually do want to mention something about this. Please do. I, I, I've, it's, you know, this this kind of a question comes up a lot uh, involving cards going from one Hang place. On. Yep. We neglected to mention that there's a Corsair of Prefix. Yes. Well, the, when Jess answered it earlier, there was a Corsair of Prefix. Yeah. So the top yeah, card so, of the library is revealed. Does he get to see the next card? So I, I know that this is not a show about zones. Today is a show about types. But uh, in the game of Magic, we have we have several zones defined. And a card is always in one of those zones. There There's no in-between place. So if you've got a land that's revealed on top of your library and you want to put it onto the battlefield, maybe maybe through the special action of playing a land and you've got a course of Crufex in play and you want to move it there, you're going to have to decide if you're going to pay that that shock, if you're going to pay that that two to have it come in untapped. You're going to have to decide that before you actually physically move it. So it hasn't it hasn't left the top of your library yet. So it's it's not like it's hovering midair somewhere. Yeah, it's it's not on the stack. It's still right there. Yeah, I'll say when I first started to understand that, I think a, I think a lot of magic kind of fell into place for me. Once once I finally realized like they're always in one of the zones. They're never in between. So which zone is it? Because it has to be one of the two. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, when you're scrying. Where are the the cards? Let's say you got an effect that says scry two. Where are the cards that you are currently looking at when you scry? Your library. They are in your library. It's it's like you you burrowed into your library somehow, and you're looking at those two cards. Also, don't burrow into your library. I don't <laughs> think that's going to work out well for you. Um, he does mention that Magic Online lets you see the next card, so that is most likely a glitch. I just like Brian's response, which is, don't trust Magic Online. It's only an approximation of a game of Magic. <laughs> I, I like calling it an approximation. <laughs> this is, this is one of the instances is. where players are completely <laughs> correct when they say, but it works this way on Moto, um, but Moto is wrong. <laughs> I, I feel like maybe we should print up some cards that just say, but Moto is wrong, and we just hand them to players. <laughs> well, honestly, the vast majority of the time when a player tells me it works this way on Moto, the player is wrong. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's actually true. They'll say, they'll think one card did this, and when really it's yeah, another like, card, and they think it's a trigger or whatever. Ma so we just Mag Magic Online is much better than it used to be with that kind of thing. Right. So... All right, our next question comes from Justin, and I swear this question comes up, I'd say, every two to three sets. Um, he says, I control a loyal Pegasus, 
and in a crow in Skyguard. I'll read them in just a second. Uh, at the beginning of combat, my opponent activates the first ability of Shipwreck Singer targeting my loyal Pegasus. What legal attacks can I declare? So, Shipwreck Swing... Ship... Shipwreck Singer. Swinger. Not the Shipwreck Swinger. Uh, That's a a whole different set right there. (laughs) Swing your shipwreck round and round. (laughs) Yeah, that kind uh, of swinger. Target creature and opponent controls attacks this turn if able. And Loyal Pegasus reads, Loyal Pegasus can't attack or block alone. So he has targeted the swinger on the Loyal Pegasus (laughs) to see how loyal it really is. Uh, and then also the Crow and Skyguard is a 1-1 flying for this purpose. Um, so the question is here, what are the legal attacks? So the singer says that Loyal Pegasus must attack this turn if able, but the Loyal Pegasus can't attack or block alone. Well, I, I, I can jump in here, I suppose. Do. Okay, so uh, this kind of an effect, uh, you know, like CJ said, it, it comes up like every couple of sets. Uh, we'll get questions like this. So whenever you're presented with a situation like this, you've got to realize that you you basically have two things that are going on here. You have uh, some requirements and you have some restrictions. And what you want to do, what you always want to do is satisfy, find some combination of things that will satisfy the most number of requirements without violating any restrictions. And, and to be clear, this isn't what you want to do. This is what you have to do. Yeah, okay, that's, you're right. Don't that's, have a that's choice. what you have to do. Yes. Yeah, you, you, you must. If there is a combination of things you can do that satisfies more requirements than the thing you're trying to do, then you got to do the other thing. So in this case, we've got uh, one requirement, which says Loyal Pegasus must attack if able. And we've got one restriction that says Loyal Pegasus can't attack or block alone. And so the only option you have open to you is you have to attack with the Loyal Pegasus. And was it in a Crow and Skyguard? Yes. I can't remember who the other one it was. was. A bear and cub. a Crow and Skyguard. It's a Bear Cub. You got to attack with uh, the Loyal Pegasus and the Bear Cub. You got to attack with them both. Aha, I hear you say. But judge... I was told once by the other judge, you remember that guy? I hate that guy. I was told by the other judge that I never have to make a, I'm never forced to make a payment and tapping my dude is a payment. Not not really. Tapping your dude is just the thing you do when you attack with a guy. Right. Otherwise vigilance wouldn't work. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise vigilance makes absolutely no sense. Uh, So yeah, it always, any kind, any of these situations, if you just take a step back and just go, what are my requirements? What are my restrictions? Maximize requirements without doing any restrictions and you're A-OK. Now, here's the thing. Let's say that uh, your bear cub uh, is dead. Let's say it's, it's somehow, you know, you you really don't want to attack your opponent. I don't know why. So uh, your, your opponent says, hey, your loyal Pegasus must attack this turn if able. And you go, ooh, I've, I've got a bear cub. I got to get rid of that. I doomblade my bear cub in response. Well, now... I can't attack with anything. Right. Because while there while there is a requirement, if I tried to fulfill it, I would violate a restriction. So I can't do that. Right. Also, I just doombladed a bear cub and I'm gonna I'm gonna shed a tear. <laughs> in your green, black, white deck. In my, in my green, black, white deck, that's right. Um and playing junk bear cubs. So I'll grab this next question. Uh it's a little weird, but it's from Ben. He says, Someone told me that Arcbound Ravager breaks the no damage on the stack rule. You guys know that classic rule. I think it's in the six hundreds. Um <laughs> <laughs> says, I like I like his question after that though. I do too. It's just what? What? <laughs> so assuming you have three one one artifact creatures attacking along with an arcbound ravager, which has the ability to sack an artifact to put a plus one plus one counter on it, can you actually do more than four damage? Essentially, can you actually deal seven damage in this situation? Um and he says, thank you for your podcast. I have no desire to be a judge, but everything you guys talk about is incredibly helpful. Everything. 
Thanks for all your work. Um, so the answer is no. And the answer is so resoundingly no that you actually couldn't do this even when damage went on the stack. Like I went to our resident IRC robot just to confirm, but this was never possible. And I'm not sure what logic, you know, so. Is that, is that robot, is that? Catsby. Uh, Abe? Yes. Abe? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the fact of the matter is you have, you know, after blocks, but before damage, you can do, you know, you could sacrifice the one ones and, and put them on Arcbound Ravager. Say they were all blocked. Uh, you do get priority and you could sacrifice them all and put them on the Arcbound Ravager. But the maximum damage you can deal here is four. And it can either be four from the Ar four from the Ravager or four split among all the artifact creatures or whatever. But the max you can do here is four, and nothing lets you do anything other than that. There, There is a way, if you tweak this slightly, huh. there's a way this could work, which may be where this confusion comes from. Okay. And, and that is that if those three 1-1 one, one artifact creatures have first strike, then... Change things. What's that? I said, yeah, that does change things. Th then the first strike damage resolves, you deal that three damage, and then after that first strike damage resolves, before the Arcbound Ravager deals damage, you can sacrifice all those creatures... But that's only because of first strike, and that was that hasn't changed with damage on the stack. It has nothing to do with damage on the stack. I, I do think that's 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 a good point. That you do get priority between first strike and regular strike. All right, that's a pretty good question, though. Thank you. One last one last email from Dan Shaw, um, and this is about something we discussed last week. So he says, "Quick question about the email story from David regarding intentionally slow playing for advantage." Previously, I learned from you that magic matches are not best of three; they are best they are first player to win two. In the story, the problematic player won his first match 1-0 close to the time limit. Is it actually correct that he drew his match 1-0? I am hoping that this is the case because it seems like a natural remedy to this sort of tactic. And unfortunately, you don't have to play Magic very long to run into this sort of player. <laughs> Sincerely not trying to be a ball breaker, just trying to learn. I don't really see this as... <laughs> Ball breaking, breaking, but okay. Balls. Uh, so one thing about judges is we are almost entirely very good at taking any form of criticism. I not a hundred percent, but a lot of us are. And uh, anything that you would that you might think is an attack on me, I would not even notice uh, as such. No, and the, and the ones that can't take criticism well, you see them on Facebook. You oh. can tell. You can <laughs> tell. <laughs> um. So uh. So yes, matches when you play them when you play them out. Uh, a match will end, uh, uh, I'm doing air quotes, naturally when the first player wins two matches. Um, uh, so you will continue to play until someone has won two, two matches. Uh, however, if the match ends 1-1-0 or 1-0-1, that still counts as a win uh, uh, for the person that won the, won the one game in the match. Uh, yes, it does create uh, an incentive for a player to start playing slowly, and that is why judges remain vigilant and we watch things. And if you are concerned that your opponent is tr trying this kind of tactic, call for a judge. And we will we will watch and investigate and do all of our judgy things to make sure that things uh, proceed at a reasonable pace. So you can you can kind of think of it as two separate questions. There's the question of uh, when do we stop, and that is either when when time is reached or when somebody has won two games, 
whichever happens first, and who won the match, which is who won more games. Yeah, sure. Yep. And hey, I, I don't know. Have you guys covered, I'm sure you have on one of your previous shows, the sudden death rules? I don't know if it's ever actually come up. I think we have. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, this is something that comes up at uh, side events of big tournaments that have time limits or uh, during, uh, you know, like top eight. Uh, if there's a time limit, just because the venue's about to close, not that that ever happens. Uh, but a, a lot of players, I don't think, are aware of how sudden death works. Uh, so, you know, I, I thought maybe now would be a good time for that public service sure. announcement. It is. So, cool with that. so when is, when is sudden death used? All right. So sudden death is used only in the following circumstances. It has to be a single elimination tournament. If we're, if we're still doing Swiss pairings and we got more rounds to go, no, don't worry about it. Sudden death isn't going to come in. So single elimination and there is a time limit. So in most top eights of a tournament of like a big tournament, like top eight of a GP, there's no time limits in the type top eight. And that's so that we don't have to go to sudden death rules. Although I think it would be a lot more entertaining if we did, because it'd be funny, but it <laughs> wouldn't be funny for very long. So uh, if those two things are satisfied, we're in single elimination and we have a time limit. When you reach time, you still get your normal five turns. And if no one has won by the end of five turns, we're going to keep taking turns, but we're going to implement a new and improved state-based action. And I can't remember exactly how it's worded, but basically the state-based action is if a player has more life than the other player, that player wins the game. I think it may actually be worded the other way, that if, if a player has less life than his opponent, he loses the game. Uh, I, I can't remember. But the point is, we're going to continue with a state-based action that says if somebody's got more life, they win, the other the other guy loses, and we're done here. Uh, now, that also, you know, let's just point out that uh, state-based actions are always checked right before a player would get priority. So, uh, you know, if you're if you're coming to the end of five turns... And your opponent has more life than you and, and turn five happens. Well, we're going to start turn six and right before somebody would get priority, we're going to go, oh, hey, wait a minute. One of you has more life. We're done. Yep. And, and this is because um, you can't have a draw in that situation. A draw means nothing. It's single elimination. You have to have a winner. So we have these rules in place. But it, it rarely actually comes up except uh, GP grinders or whatever yeah. the term last is. Last chance qualifiers. Yes. The, yeah, last chance qualifiers. Excuse me. Um, I've never run a top eight at timed. I've, I've seen it happen on actual events when it's literally like there's, you know, the, the janitor's there with the keys and he's pointing at his watch and going, yeah, I need you. I need you guys to leave. But more often than not, we just relocate to a hotel lobby for like top four. Right, right. I saw this happen once at a top eight, and the story goes that GP Nashville, I think it was 2011. Were any of you there? It was Scars of Mirrod and Seal. Uh, yes, I was. Were you there? Were you on, on the PTQ on day two, back when they still did PTQ <laughs> GPs? No, I, I think that was Turner's Misery PTQ. No, 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 no. Or was that, was that Atlanta? That was Atlanta. Oh, yeah, it was. So, so this PTQ had some ridiculous Bounce. number of rounds, and the PTQ went way longer than the GP, as they tend to do. And they they were closing it in the final. They were just like, no, we've got to we've got to end this. But the PTQ format was scars and mirrored and sealed. And the last two decks that were in contention in the draft for top eight were both dedicated infect decks. Ooh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and and as we just discussed, the state-based action that gets applied is is strictly based on your life total. So if you're getting poison counters, the game doesn't care. 
So oh. both players stayed at, at 20 while they were trying to poison each other. So sudden death just had like no impact on this game. But like if you were, if you knew you were approaching that, you know, wouldn't you side in like a bear cub, like anything? Um, was that the set that had the land that had you gain a life when it entered the battlefield? Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Um, yeah, yeah, it was one of the sets that had a land like that. Yeah. Um, so, oh, well, that sounds awful. Yeah, it, it's pretty awful. All right. Oh, I've I've also seen in uh, in this where you know uh, players were you know shuffling up real quick because they know they know sudden death's coming and they they present and they start and somebody gets a land down time skull and now we're at we're at five turns and they do their five turns and then somebody goes okay I'm gonna play a fetch land I'm gonna crack that f- oh oh oh, <laughs> oh yes yeah, side out them fetch lands I've watched uh I've watched control decks playing against each other board in their like. <clears throat> they're they're mono red sideboard cards because it's like uh you know Brenton Forge tenders and stuff just to have a one drop they could possibly play right right all right if listeners out there would like to contact us you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com you can also like us on facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast follow us on twitter twitter.com slash judgecast and visit our website at judgecast.com um the file from judgecast.com and mtgcast is more or less the same but you will get it faster on judgecast.com and that's exciting who doesn't want our stuff as soon as possible? Uh, beyond that, clues. Yes. Thank you very much for being on. Um, well, thank thank you. It's been a a, a long time dream of mine to yes. uh, join join oh, you gentlemen on JudgeCast. It's been a dream of mine to have you on the show. Maybe we really appreciate you being on the show. You've been a, yeah, an outstanding man. guest. Outstanding. I, I try my best. Yes. yes. So here's here's your opportunity to plug whatever you want. Whatever I want, like all the things. Okay, well, if uh, if folks have not heard enough of me rambling, they probably weren't listening the whole way through and just fast forwarded through the episode. But if folks would like to hear more of me, you can find me most weeks on Monday Night Magic uh, on the MTG Cast Network. I also am on Card Advantage, which is, uh, I'm going to call it my quote unquote main show since uh, been with that one from the beginning, myself and my co-host Rich. Uh, if you want to, you know, contact me, you can reach me on Twitter. I am at Lockluze, spelled most likely how it will be in the show notes. We'll see. Sure. Uh, or or you can always email me at uh, the card advantage email, which is mtgcardadvantage at gmail.com. And, uh, of course, you can usually find me over at Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina, which is a great shop, and you should check it out. All right, great. Um, by the way, Card Advantage is a great show. I, I've been gushing over it lately. I, I maybe fell out of it in the beginning, but I've been listening to it again, and it's, it's fantastic. There's some yeah. irony that you're gushing, which is a blue instant over Clues' yeah. podcast. Hey, you know, the funny thing is my, my show is called Card Advantage, which, of course, what is the color of Card Advantage in Magic? Green. Red? Uh, it's they always get to discard a card at random when they draw one. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's really blue. And the funny thing is, I actually named the podcast. So I came up with the name, and it's blue. <laughs> do you do you uh, <clears throat> do you spend a lot of try- time trying to dispel that that misunderstanding? All right, listeners, thank you all for listening <laughs> so much. My name is CJ Schrader. I keep it fair and try to keep it on time. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlow, and I keep it typecasted. And I'm Clues, and I keep it scientific. I thought I thought The Hobbit was bad because they, I mean, it really was two and a halfling hours of walking, and and like nothing really happened, and the new Phyrexia book was was awful. 
Incidentally, did you just say it was two and a halfling hours of walking? Yes. Okay, because I was going to say that, that's what I heard, <laughs> Wait, and it was really funny. That if is meant funny. To I just that. I totally missed it. I was chatting with Jess. Uh, that is funny. <laughs> no, what, but one second. <laughs> that's not the way one second. Way. Something important. Oh, uh, number forty-six. Judge has forty-six. We named that one Apps Apps Baby. So I don't think we can do Types Types Baby, even though it oh. works a little better. Okay. Sad. You know, have you considered have you considered not my type? Oh, and there's so many options. I had or one in my Dege- head this morning. How about how about daguerreotype? What? It was an early type of photograph, uh, a oh. daguerreotype. It's uh, no. 